Get used to the mantra, all gas, no brake. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPot11 on Twitter. Joined by a very special guest of WFAN NFL Network, a New York, uh, a New York icon at this point in the media world, Tim Jones. How are you doing today, Tim? I'm great, Will. It's so nice to be with you. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. I'm, I'm sure people are going to be very excited to kind of hear you talk. Your uh, you know between the Yankees, Giants, Jets, all that type of stuff. It's uh, your face has kind of been in my life for for a long time now. So. <laughs> No, I'm, not to I'm sorry you. about that. I don't, know, I'm not to, I don't want to make you feel older, but it's it's definitely uh, been a you know been a fun ride. Obviously, I'm sure. Um, you know, kind of wanted to, we're gonna t- we'll talk through some of the Jeff stuff, and then um, we'll hear a little bit more about you know Kim's background. And um, but obviously, the hot topic right now, number two pick, the trade last week. Um, you know, San Francisco, and Miami, and Philadelphia. I guess, and you know that matter. How do you see things kind of playing out at number two with the Jets? You think it's just for sure Zach Wilson at this point, or there's any conversation going on? Yeah, I do think it's Zach Wilson. I I, I said on NFL Network and the fan um, in recent days that you could see Joe Douglas beaming under his mask because everyone was wearing a mask at BYU. Um, You could just see him beaming. I, I do think that's the pick. Um, I think a lot of us have thought for a while now that that was likely the direction they would go. I do think there have been some differing opinions within the Jets building at Florham Park, as there should be. You wouldn't want everyone to come to a consensus and be, oh, we're good. You know, you would want to talk things out. Um, and perhaps down the road, we'll hear a little bit more about that process. But yes, I think Wilson will be the pick. And I think the one thing Wilson did that day at BYU at his pro day was he gave Joe Douglas every reason in the world to say, you watch the workout, we watch the workout, that's our guy, because it was a good workout. Yeah, no, I agree. I actually I had Steve Weish on earlier, and he, he mentioned just the arm talent you could see so clear. And I was like, was he that impressive? Because, you know, on TV or on Twitter or things like that, oh, this throw is so incredible. And then if you're not there, sometimes in person, you see that arm kind of flash through. And I know yeah. he figured out bigger than I think even I expected. Like six, I didn't expect him to be 6'2", 215. I thought maybe maybe 6'1", maybe 200 pounds because he looks a little smaller than a Justin Fields. But yeah, I think he's a, it's an exciting pick. And as much as I love Sam, at the end of the day, I have to be realistic with they, if the Jets wanted to trade back that they had probably San Francisco offered the exact same package, if not more. Oh, they'd get a haul. They still would get a haul. Uh, and there is a there is a way to think about it that that would be a smart decision on a roster that needs so much building. But I think it's fairly clear that is not the direction Joe Douglas is going to go. It's going to be the most important decision he makes as Jets GM. It will determine how these next several years for him go as Jets GM. And if he's right, he could have a very long stay if he chooses as the Jets general manager. And if he's not right, uh, you know, we'll see how, how that pans out. I would say this though, like I just watched Kyle Trask at Florida and um, he looked terrific and he threw the ball wonderfully and he was incredibly accurate and he showed movement, which NFL folks who were there at pro day wanted to see him do. And they were very impressed with what he did. My point is, 
generally speaking, these pro days feature fantastic performances by quarterbacks. I love Trey Lance. I was at Fargo for his workout. You know, if, if you're willing to have a little bit of patience and if, if, if he certainly has every physical tool, he's a really big guy who runs really fast and can throw the heck out of the football. So that's my only thing about these pro days. Every throw is the best throw we've ever seen until you get to the next pro day. Yeah, no, it's funny. I, I got into it. I'm, I shouldn't have responded on Twitter, but someone was like, oh, they're going to do all these throws. I'm like, I played football for 17 years of my life. Like, they're routes on air and doing that stuff. Like, you're supposed to make yeah. that. It's like, whatever. It's like watching guys shoot free throws in basketball. Like, yeah, it's great. You made nine out of 10, but that's also your job uh, at some level. But yeah, I think Trey Lance at three actually is where I, I'd love to see him under Kyle Shanahan and be able to learn. And I think, quite frankly, that could be a great spot for him. Um, obviously, you know, I know you've, you had talked with Robert Saul one-on-one and um, obviously covered him. What were your initial impression, impressions? And then B, how do you think he'll do in New York? Um, obviously, big market following something that was obviously very unsuccessful in Adam Gase's tenure. Yeah, you know, I would probably take away his Zoom introductory press conference for Robert Sala. You know, it's a unique thing. It, it's unfortunate that uh, it couldn't have been in person for obvious reasons. Uh, I, what I would go to with Salah is the idea that the the free agents who signed with the Jets all talked about Robert Salah and all talked about um, essentially going back and either watching his videos, uh, getting acquainted with him that way, or being just so excited to play for him overall. And I think that's the effect most of us thought the hiring of Robert Sala, wherever he went in this hiring cycle. And people have pointed out to me, he actually should have been the head coach last year. Last year should have been his opportunity because of the quirky uh, interview schedules and everything else. And the fact that the 49ers were a really good team last year, he was still available to the Jets this season. That's a topic for another day. But for Robert Sala, I think he comes in here with um, great trust from players even the players who haven't played for him yet. And I think part of that is his demeanor, his enthusiasm, part of it's the success he and his defense have had uh, in San Francisco. And I think part of it is just the guy he, he comes across as being, a genuine guy, loves football, expects a lot out of his players and conveys that. And generally speaking, the, the guys, in my opinion, who come across as genuine have the best chance of having success. And he did that. Yeah, the other thing I think that, I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but like that presence of just being the adult in the room, sometimes I do think that matters, especially in New York when you walk into a locker room that, you know, has just not seen the success they would have hoped the last decade, obviously. And you want to have somebody that gives you hope, but I also want to have somebody, like you said, that trust that I believe in you, you're the adult in the room, you know better and you're going to lead me to where I want to be and like that blind faith and I sometimes it's difficult and I think that may have been lost the last couple of years um, so I'm excited to see what you know obviously he can do they made some moves like you mentioned for agency a Carl Lawson mentioned um, the Paul Robert Sala had and wanted to play for him you've had some other smaller signings Corey Davis as well um, I'm pretty sure that was that your question that everyone uh, <laughs> with Sam initially when you were like who the starting quarterback was going to be that one uh, that one crazy but um, yeah. What were your impressions of kind of the moves they've made in the offseason overall? Do you like what they've done? Or are you kind of waiting to see more with the draft? 
Yeah, I think they had a lot of moves to make, right? And they need a lot of, they have a lot of needs to fill. Um, I think the one thing Joe Douglas did, he got the quarterback, what should be as long as he can stay healthy in Corey Davis, a premier pass catcher. And he would have been for Sam, the first real one that Sam has had because Robbie Anderson runs go routes um, and did as a jet. Now, Robbie always wanted to be more than that. And I understand uh, expanding a game is possible. And, and I think Robbie's tried to do that. And I, I don't, I'm not saying that to be disrespectful to Robbie, but as a jet, Robbie ran go routes and Sam threw the ball to him. Um, but in Corey Davis, Sam or Zach Wilson um, or whomever, although I think those are the two, uh, will have a number one receiver. And, and you need to have that in this league. And then in Carl Lawson, you have you know, a really energetic kind of looks the part, talks the part defensive lineman who in a 4-3 scheme uh, is going to be charged with getting to the passer and he better get to the passer. And he's the one who said, you know, when he looked back at videos of Robert Sala, you know, he was really excited about what he saw. So um, those would be the two biggest ticket items. Those would be the two I would point to, one on offense, one on defense, probably not an accident. That when you then talk about C.J. Mosley coming back, when you then talk about, um, you know, it certainly looks like Jameson Crowder will be back. He should be a, a very friendly target for a rookie. Um, you look at what they can still do in the draft. They should. They certainly should be a better team this season, and perhaps an eye on being, what two years away maybe from from really. Um, becoming a, a credible opponent that can think about the playoffs. That's, you know, could they make the playoffs this year? Of course, anything's possible. But I, I think you're looking at a Jets program where you're talking about within the next two slash three years, where can it be? You mean the, you mean the expectations aren't uh, to win more than two games and be out of it by October? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, yeah, they need to play meaningful games. They definitely yeah. need to play meaningful games after Thanksgiving. Uh, I think within the next two years. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think that there's, I mean, obviously the expectations, are, I think they are in a good spot where Robert Sala can come in and there's these, some of these new guys and you're following up a lot of bad. So anything you do, do good, is just going to be embraced so much better than, uh, than it may have been, you know, in some other place where 70 catches for a thousand yards is, <laughs> incredible you know where it may not be somewhere else but obviously you've been kind of making your way around a lot of the pro days i know um some of the penn state guys obviously are penn state alum but obviously the penn state guys like michael parsons ran an incredible time and florida cop hits you know his arm length and 40 time and all that stuff who have you been most impressed with to see live um over this pro day circuit so far well i i mean Penn State's my alma mater. So I, I always love going back there. Um, I, you know, I, I end up kind of having a little bit of a mini bond with the players if I get to talk to them for a little bit. Um, I really like James Franklin and his staff. So, I mean, Penn State's an outlier for me because it's the my alma mater. Um, and it's the one I enjoy the most, obviously. But I really, really was excited to see Trey Lance and I'm happy that I did that uh, early on. That was in Fargo. It feels like three months ago. It wasn't, but it feels like it. And then Florida, you know, you get to see Kyle Pitts up close and personal, who's very impressive and looks the part of this playmaking tight end that, that we believe he will be. Probably more 
more Kittle than, more, excuse me, more Kelsey than Kittle was the way it was explained to me. And I asked Pitts about that. He said he's really cool with that because he loves everything that Travis Kelsey does, of course. And I think he can do a lot of what Travis Kelsey does. Um, again, Trask really impressed me, especially where I think the expectation was going into his pro day. And they had a couple of other guys, you know, Kadarius Tony's going to be on a roster, uh, wide receiver, slight former dual threat quarterback in high school, uh, punt returner, and, and could be dangerous there with his quickness. So, you know, I learned something from all of the pro days, but most of all about these pro days this year, it was nice to see NFL people again because it's just been so long since, um, since I've had a chance to talk to them in person and, and see them. And at all three of those pro days, I, I saw a lot of them. Yeah, no, I can, I can only imagine it's gotta be a weird for, as I say, even for, for yourself more so than even some people that you're, it's so much about being in person, being able to talk to these guys, mm -hmm. guys and girls, yep. obviously, you know, up close and personal and all that type of stuff. And it's just not being able to do that and over zoom, um, even being back in the studio, I know you've posted, you know, good morning football, a bunch and, um, you know, Kyle's my guy and whatever, but it's interesting to be like, even in person, these the shows and things like that just are so much different. And I feel like, especially in the sports world where it's so much about emotion and feeding off the other person, but, um, you know, the pro days have been super interesting, at least from my perspective, because these times, um, especially in the 40 have felt really fast, but then other guys, it shows up on film. I know Michael Parsons, for example, or, um, Jamar Chase ran an incredibly fast time two days ago to LSU's pro day. And everyone's like, Oh, I don't know if that's legit, but some of these guys on film, I think, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, they it felt like a four, four, you watch it. And those guys felt like four, four guys. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And some have not felt like the times they are, to be honest with you, I'm not going to mention names here because it just doesn't really matter. Some of these guys, it really doesn't matter. You know what their 40 time is, um, especially the proven, you know, blue chip, player in this draft but um yes on campus it is probably going to be a little bit different than in Indianapolis at the combine for many reasons I mean for one thing there should be uniformity in Indianapolis I, I believe there generally is there are also nerves right it's a whole different environment whereas we are now seeing players work out in their environment in their college facility where they've grown up essentially uh, in football, when you think about them getting there, I presume at age 17 or 18, uh, and now uh, looking at the NFL. So for a lot of different reasons, I do think the times are faster at the schools. I don't think it's anything the schools are doing. I don't think it's, uh, you know, a couple times that came down at Florida the other day were ridiculous. And we all kind of looked around and, and someone who was kind of keeping the official just shook his head and was like, no. You know, because that's that's just how it goes. Now, the, the Penn State defensive players who ran very fast, Micah and Jason Owe, um, I do think for Owe in particular, it was important, and he ran fast, and he's a big man running fast, is because he is still um, learning the game of football. His best football by far is ahead of him. Now, I think Micah's best football by far is ahead of him as well, but not at the same level. Michael was a running back and a defensive end at Harrisburg High School in Pennsylvania um, and, and could have played either, including running back at Penn State. And James Franklin told me he had the same career he's had in terms of, you know, going to the NFL as a high prospect player or a high level player. So 
you know, with Owe, he is still learning. He is still a bit of an unknown commodity. He did not record a sack last season. He, the year before, he was more successful in that regard. He was one of the best run stoppers last season. So with Owe, there's sort of a tangled web to some degree. You either like him or you don't. But if you like him, you have a lot to like. And you also have reasons to maybe uh, dismiss him a little bit, depending on what your roster looks like now. So you know, it's just fun to see these guys. It really is. Like Kyle Trask, I was told, you know, he's not going to move well. Um, and that's going to be a problem. He just looks like on the drop back, he's slow to get to everything. Well, like he, he dismissed that the other day because he was absolutely fantastic. It looked natural. And I think he's lost perhaps as much as 15 pounds, which made a big difference. So that's my very long-winded way to talk about these pro days, what we can learn, how legitimate times are. And really it comes down to, is the player physically up to the task of being an NFL high level prospect? And then what else is there in him that tells me if he's going to be a success or not? Because Will, you and I both know it's not just about times and it's not just about bench press. It, a lot of it is about neck up in terms of how these players um, assimilate into the NFL, and how they improve once they're there. And then ultimately who they are as an NFL player in many ways is as much about confidence and neck up to me as it is the physical stuff, because there are a lot of physically talented, talented players in the NFL. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And I can always think back to people that I played with and sometimes being the fastest person or the strongest or biggest guy doesn't necessarily mean anything. It's usually people that have a little bit of everything and are just super cerebral and love the game, want to be a part of the game. And, Whatever. We don't have to go in a whole loophole of do you love the game or are you just really good at football? Because I think that's a whole nother discussion. But, um, you know, obviously there's been a lot of moves made this offseason quarterback wise. I know you've talked about golf and, um, you know, once you guys did a segment a couple weeks ago, but Stafford gets moved. There's some big signings. Who's been maybe one or two of your favorite moves this offseason that you're like, this really moves the needle a little bit or one or two guys kind of not in a bad way of the player, but maybe you scratch your head a little bit of that's a lot of money or that's a lot to give up for that guy. Well, off the top of my head, and I don't have numbers and, and um, deal uh, details in front of me, you know, I, LA, the Rams gave up an awful lot for Matt Stafford, a guy who hasn't won a playoff game. Now, do they think they can change that under Sean McVay? Of course they do, you know, and with that roster around him. But I, you know, that one struck me as really unusual, you, you know, um, giving up on a younger quarterback for a much more veteran quarterback and not a veteran quarterback who's played in the postseason a lot. And when he has, hasn't yet, has yet to win a game. That, that one struck me. Um, you know, I don't know. I thought a really sort of somewhat under the radar move was Ryan Fitzpatrick to Washington because uh, number one, I, Washington at one point, I think, um, would have would have likely been in on some sort of a Sam trade. Um, I think there was at least conversation. I know there was at least conversation there. I also think that uh, I was told that that Washington now would not be interested in that. So so that's going to be sort of a puzzle for Joe Douglas to figure out in terms of how he handles uh, Sam Darnold at some point. But I think with Washington, you have a defense that is so ready made. And you have some parts around him offensively that are really ready um, to be part of a winning group. And I know they made the playoffs, but 
Um, I think to bring a veteran like Fitzpatrick who can still get it done in believing you can get at least a really good season out of him, I just thought was really smart, especially with a, a team that otherwise uh, is ready to win. Yeah, no, I, I like my, my thoughts on Stafford differ because I think I really like the move, but then I'm like, they have so much pressure to hit on some of these mid-round picks that it's somewhat, somewhat similar with the Jets where there's such a pressure and emphasis on the draft, which is a good thing. Obviously, controllable, cheaper players, you can grow them, all that stuff, but and they're in a championship window where they now have to replace John Johnson, they have to replace Troy Like, There's a lot of different guys in that roster that there's a lot of spots. So if Stafford's Matt Stafford at his best and he's healthy, great. If not, that's where you get in trouble. And then I agree with Fitzpatrick because – the defense is better. William Jackson, I think, is an upgrade to Ronald Darby um, overall. And then, the, like, they have a lot of weapons. Samuel, Terry McLaurin's really good. Like, they have a lot of weapons. They have a good offensive line. And that was a spot, I like you said, I know they were – like, there was some stuff with Sam, but I thought that could have been a good spot. Um, mm-hmm. I think the NFC East is going to be interesting. Obviously, you've, you know the Giants very, very well. They've made some – I mean, I know that Leonard Williams is a re-sign, but that's a big move. And Galladay mm-hmm. and these pieces – how do you see the Giants kind of playing out? Because I'm not super high on Daniel Jones, truthfully, but I don't know if that's necessarily fair because there's been so much around him moving similar to Sam in a lot of senses. Well, like last season in Buffalo was all about Josh Allen. What, what we're now seeing is this season always was going to be and certainly is all about Daniel Jones. Now, there are differences. Buffalo, um, I remember talking to Brandon Bean, the GM of the Bills, in the spring or early summer of 2019. He's fantastic, and I said, how much, by the way. And I said, how much of what you're doing is to maximize everything Josh Allen can do? And he said, all of it. So that's been a real process. This has been a little bit of a newer um, development for the New York Giants, but certainly in bringing in Kenny Galladay, that is the free agent that I believe the Giants organization, or at least significant people within that organization, believe was their biggest signing, and for obvious reasons, um, you hope and believe Saquon comes back healthy. Um, uh, Sterling Shepard will be back. We know that the head coach loves Evan Ingram, whether Giants fans do or not is immaterial. The head coach absolutely loves Evan Ingram. I reported that during the season and that this offseason has proven to, to still be true. Kyle Rudolph needs surgery, but says he'll be back for the NFL season. We'll see how that goes, depending on players who've had coming off surgery or who have had a large injury history. And, and some of these guys for the Giants have can be kind of dicey, but you also uh, can be fortunate and, and get representative seasons out of them. So, and I don't have that crystal ball in front of me, but um I think it's all about Daniel Jones. And I do understand because I have some of the same reservations, um, just the eye test for me, but his teammates believe in him and his organization is showing it believes in him by surrounding him with pretty good talent. So we're going to see how the offensive line uh, stacks up again this season. But for Daniel Jones, this is an incredibly important season. It was always going to be. But with this move, with these moves, there's now a premium will on the Giants being back in the playoffs. And I, and I think say, that that's a realistic I, objective. Yeah, I was going to say, I agree with you. I think it's such a pivotal season. And obviously, I wish 
a lot of the moves the Giants made this year and the Jets are making this year, I wish the Jets would have made a year ago just to be able to really have that full evaluation and be like, is Sam's really good or Sam sucks? Like, and not have this question mark around what do we do in this whole nine yards. But like, I feel like, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like Dave Gettleman's in that period where if they're successful this year, maybe he doesn't retire and move on. But if they're not successful, he's probably going to, I would imagine either walk away or make the next move there. And Daniel Jones, same thing. So it's going to be, they're an interesting division. I think Washington's good, but Fitzpatrick has to be consistent or Dallas could be good, but the defense has to be much better. And Dak's coming off a massive injury and Philly is probably in a full rebuild at this point, but you know, you never know. They could be, they could hit and be scrappy in the division. They, they seem to always give the giants and, and Washington a lot of trouble. So, uh, you know, it's an interesting division. I want to switch gears to some more kind of fun stuff about, um, you know, your background and some of the stuff you've done. A, I'll start with the most recent thing. What sparked the jumping in the jumping in the pool Super Bowl yeah. week on the last report? How'd that come about? Because I thought that was pretty funny and I did not see that one coming. My uh, producer, Andy Gregg at NFL Network, reached out to me a day or two before and he said, You've been reporting from the, the, the Bucks Hotel all week and it has a really nice pool in the background. And I said, yeah. And he said, I wouldn't hate it if after your last report, you jumped into the pool. And I said, can I think about it and get back to you? And I thought about it not for very long. And I was like, yeah, yeah. This season was, was such a miracle for the NFL, the way they played every game uh, and got through everything. And look at baseball now, you know, they, they had a great spring training and, and all of a sudden the Mets aren't playing yet. So um, because of the national situation. So, you know, I, I just thought it would be fun. Um, the more I thought about it, the more I thought Bruce Arians, no risk it, no biscuit kind of made sense. Um, and what the heck? So we did it. It was fun. If you went full Bruce Arians, you would have had a nice cocktail too. <laughs> um, right. No, but Obviously, you know, there's, I know I joked about it before, but obviously, at least from my experience, you know, your career, I remember you kind of with the Yankees and obviously making your way and obviously been with, I think, NFL Network for maybe close to 10 years or something around there. Um, how did, you know, A, you kind of get started with yes. And then how was that transition like to be working, you know, every day, 162 games a season? And that's such a different mentality in football, which is 16, 17 weeks, but obviously it's such an intense time period. How has that kind of changed? How did that get started? And how has that, how's that changed from sport to sport? Well, I was the um, football columnist at the Star-Ledger, having been the Giants beat writer uh, for the Star-Ledger when Yes called me and asked me to audition for this, you know, clubhouse reporter role on television. And I couldn't do it. I was at the... Um, I was at the Super Bowl in Jacksonville, so I couldn't do it. Um, and they said, well, we'll fly you up and back. And I said, I'm, I'm covering the Super Bowl this week. I cannot do this. And then they came back to me, um, I think a few weeks later, maybe. And I auditioned and I was not very good. I had never done TV. And I thought, well, at least I know what an audition is if I ever have another one. And they now you know, have seen me and can almost certainly move on. And instead they offered me the job and, you know, you're right. It's, it's a whole different rhythm to a season. You don't spend a week breaking down a game and looking forward to the next one. It's um, it, there's a lot of groundhog day in baseball. 
and there's a lot of guys on hot streaks. There's a lot of guys on sl in slumps. There's a lot of pitchers who, you know, whose mood to some degree is determined by how they did in their last start and relievers who, you know, whose failures are, are seen, even the great Mariano's failures are seen as colossal because of the late inning nature of the sport uh, and their appearances. So yeah, it's, it's a whole different, it's truly a whole different ball game. Um, it did take some getting used to. Television certainly took some getting used to. Um, I still and may never know exactly why Yes hired me because there had to be more polished people available. I don't know who they would, were, but, but there had to have been. But, you know, I look back and sometimes things happen for a reason. And I remember thinking, you know, I may never get off of another television job. And I've never thought about television at that point, but why not? It's the Yankees. And, um, you know, early bumps in the road, but um, it ended up being seven years. And then uh, I was able to, uh, my contract was up and I was able to make the move to NFL Network um, in 2012. Um, and I've been very happy uh, ever since that I made that decision, but, but it all like works together. Like I still work Derek Jeter sometimes into a report. Um, maybe Mariano I have on occasion. I'm not sure how many other players, certainly on the fan, I talk about them sometimes, but um, yeah, it, it's all been fun. Um, and I choose to remember those times because a lot of it was hard as well. And, um, but that's okay. I can handle that. I was going to say, I feel like you're not giving yourself enough credit here about, you know, like, oh, they should have hired somebody else. I think at the last 10, well, they could have. I promise you, if you had seen my audition tape, they could have hired someone else. And I'm sure been very happy. <laughs> it's okay, yeah, it's okay. I, I think I'm getting slightly better at this podcasting thing. But in the beginning, I'm sure I uh, just gave really long-winded responses that nobody was really asking for. But uh, I was going to say, you know, maybe one or two people, and I was, I'm, I could guess, Let's how, how about this? We'll do it this way. Other than Jeter and Eli, because I know they're and and maybe Odell and Mariano's, because I feel like those are guys that everyone are very fun to cover. Who's maybe one or two people baseball wise and one or two people football wise that have been the most fun or most, you know, biggest personalities to cover that's you know made your job more fun on a daily basis? It's a hard question, I know. <laughs> uh baseball wise, I loved the time against the Red Sox, um, Dustin Pedroia. I remember one time I was, I was waiting for Jacoby Ellsbury to do my yes interview. He was a Red Sox then. And um, I was sitting in the dugout and Terry Francona and Dustin Pedroia were in the dugout. This was at Fenway. And they were just busting chops, right? You know, and I, was, I wasn't part of it, but they knew I was, you know, I was right beside them. So it's not like they were hiding anything. I can't remember exactly what they said. And I, I don't know that I'd repeat it anyway. It was all good natured. And I was almost crying. I was laughing so hard. I mean, it was just two guys, dog days of a baseball season, manager and, and at the time, obviously superstar player, just busting chops. And it was the three of us in the dugout as I waited for Jacoby Ellsbury. It was absolutely hilarious. Um, David Ortiz was always incredibly kind to me, incredibly kind. And, you know, obviously one of the just, you know, biggest players at that time in any sport. And I was always grateful for that from him. Um, you know, you, uh, Evan Longoria, I remember in Tampa, I remember Carl Crawford in, in Tampa, and this is years and years ago, saying to me, if we just get some pitching, we're gonna be a really good team. 
And Carl was only there, I believe, for a small part of that, but he was exactly right. I mean, Tampa, Tampa's a marvel in professional sports with what they do, with what they got. So those are some of the things that come to mind with baseball. And obviously the Yankees, you know, I mean, really grateful, you know, for all of those personalities I covered. Um, I don't, you know, in terms of who stands out, it obviously is Jeter and Mariano. Um, Alex is an interesting personality to say the least. Uh, and, you know, for the most part, we always got along fine. Um, Mike Messina, a quirky personality who liked to make interviews hard, uh, unnecessarily so, but I got it. You know, and I, Mike was always really nice to me off camera, you know, so I was like, okay. I know when he got inducted, that was like a big thing on the radio. Michael K was like, me and, me and him don't get along, but I mean, it was a tough interview, but guy was an awesome yeah he'd like to make it tough yeah yeah it was all good though all good <laughs> it's just funny bro jacoby ellsbury i'm sure some yankee fans punching air i know they went the yankees but we forget he was a great player obviously with the red sox great player i guess yeah. i guess you can remember it that way but no i know um obviously in terms of you know covering the teams and you've been able to host some different shows on nfl network and things like that how how different of a preparation for something is you know, going on and reporting, you know, on a Jets game day or Giants game day versus walking in, hosting Good Morning Football, for example. I'm just using the most recent thing I can think of that. How different of a preparation and how much is it one more challenging than the other or they both have their own ups and downs? It's all the same. It's all the same. Yeah, I nothing changed. I mean, you know, for one thing, I've been doing it, but, um, you know, other than topics change and producers change and they want to have a different uh, take based on what's happening, uh, you know, to be contemporary with our topics and that sort of thing, but nothing changes, nothing changes. Uh, the preparation um, is what it is. I, I try to be a storyteller. So when I, and I know when I get a good story and that makes me probably happiest of all. When we're talking about a player, a team, a situation, and not only do I have maybe opinions about it or, or uh, reporting about it. But when I can tell a great story, um, I think that that's my, that's my favorite part, I think, of being on air. I was going to say something you mentioned there that I think is super interesting. And I've talked to some of the female guests I've had on that have just, that crush it. And it's like their content, like, and never, you know, I don't know. It's like, obviously the, the whole, like, people are just not always the nicest people and whatever with, you know, go down that whole topic. But I know something stood out to me that I was curious on your opinion is, I was speaking to Lindsay Rose about this and she said the biggest thing was trying to be like sound credible but also like be super professional and she was like once you get that confidence it makes your job so much easier as a woman and especially in football how is that how are you able to kind of bring that on a daily basis because I've never I feel like people no matter what like Kim Jones gonna bring great content and it's like there's never that conversation how are you able to get to that point if I know it's a difficult question but well I, I mean I think Lindsay is right about the building of confidence because I think confidence determines a lot in our world, not just uh, for reporters. So I, I think when you're a confident person, I would hope you can come off as, as pretty authentic. Um, and when you're not, I think sometimes maybe you don't come off as, as authentic, um, just to generalize. But Listen, I've been doing this stuff a long time. I'm also not afraid to just be myself um, because there's not really an alternative at this point. And 
I am willing, and I don't know how NFL Network feels about this. They've never said anything to me about it. I am comfortable weaving my baseball background into football, just like to some degree I was comfortable weaving football into baseball. It's easier to weave to weave baseball into football sometimes because football is just such a different sport from baseball. But some of the stars I covered and some of the lessons I learned interviewing and some of what I saw, and I actually saw a world championship up close and personal, can help me uh, with my reporting and with my storytelling now. So I think once it all comes together, it all comes down to just being yourself. And um, I think from my perspective, when I watch television um, and keeping it on sports shows, I think I can pretty easily tell like who has command of the topic and who is just kind of getting through a topic. And in fairness, we've all been on television where we need to get through a topic that isn't necessarily our strength. But I think when you can command a topic, I would hope it's a much better uh, watch for the viewer. And I believe it probably is. No, 100%. And we'll finish up with this. And I know like, I think it's a fun question. Obviously, you know, Good Morning Football said, I'm just, again, I, I love Good Morning Football and Kyle's coming on the pod. So I'm kind of trying to, you know, weave it in there. But um, how interesting is it of a different, you know, crew or I guess cast in some sense, because I feel like everyone brings a different personality to the table and Kyle's got a million miles an hour of energy and Nate's a huge personality and Peter's, you know, is, he's super smart and a million things. How is it fun to kind of balance those different personalities and Kay brings her own flavor, obviously, but how's working with Kyle in the sense that he's just like a million miles an hour of energy at all times. I feel like it's, it got to get, it's got to get everyone's mood and like get you energized for the day at some level. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Kyle's angry run segment, which runs during the season, of course, because right now we don't have any runs to presumably be angry because the football is not in season. But, I, you know, when I saw it live for the first time, which was at some point this past season or maybe during the playoffs, I was weeping. I was laughing so hard. I mean, I was just absolutely hysterically laughing and it was all genuine I don't fake any of this stuff so it was all genuine it was a lot of fun um I like that everyone does bring a different perspective and a different take and it is a fun show to do getting up at four o'clock for someone who's not a morning person like myself um is usually a challenge uh, not every day is it a challenge but there are some days candidly that it's a challenge I'm just not wired that way but doing the show is a joy. And, and it, the three hour show goes quickly. That's how you know, whether it's radio or TV or whatever you're doing, when it goes quickly, um, my hope is always that that's what the viewer or listener thought as well. That it was entertaining to the point where, where did the time go? It's funny you say that because I was lucky enough, um, whatever, I, I got to go one time and watch the show live. And mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm, I didn't used to be a morning person. I'm not that I'm, I'm going to turn 27 soon. I'm not that old, but I feel like my body feels old sometimes. And I was waking up to go and I was like, wow, it is super dark. Like it could not be darker outside right, <laughs> like right. the middle of the night. And it's like, you've got to bring your A game, but no, obviously there's a lot of exciting stuff, you know, from the NFL season, obviously the Jets, hopefully we, we hope at least, I'm sure you hope as much as anybody that at least they're playing some relevant games. It makes your job, yes. obviously, you know, more fun. The Giants have, a lot of exciting stuff in the bills as well so there's gonna be a lot um going on and obviously you know 
you can catch I feel like I I feel like I see you on so many different things obviously on WFN and NFL Network and um you know makes you follow Kim on Instagram and Twitter and you know a lot of I feel like there's a lot of fun stuff and we obviously really appreciate having you on and um I think uh yeah hopefully we'll have some more fun stuff to talk about once uh, both teams are finally good again well thanks so much for having me and thanks to the the viewers of your podcast